morning. Um, so I know we don't usually do this at Brookside, but uh, I just want to dive straight into the scripture um, because we're looking at Psalm 23 today. If you have a Bible with you, Psalm 23, basically open up to the middle of your Bible and you'll probably be in the Psalms. It's like a little cheat sheet for you, fun fact. I literally just did it without trying. Look at me. Um, um, and if you're not familiar with it, that's okay, because I want to pray to start. And I just want to pray through that psalm real quick. So would you please pray with me? God, um, thank you for this opportunity. You are my shepherd, Lord. I shall not want you make me lay down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. Um, you restore my soul. Lord, thank you for restoring my soul. You lead me along paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. Thank you, God, that you are with me right now. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they protect me. Um, God, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, you anoint my head with oil. Um, that makes me think of, of King David, um, of the kings um, and the priests in the Old Testament. You anointed them with oil to set them apart and to um, set them apart for service. And that's what you're doing for me now, Lord. My cup overflows. Thank you, God, that you bless me to overflowing. Thank you that Goodness and mercy will follow me, follow us all the days of our lives. Uh, and yeah, God, I just, I want this sermon to show people how they can dwell in your house um, forever, now and forever. So would you please help me get out of the way, help my ego get out of the way, and just help me partner with you um, to make that happen, Lord. Thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. So yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Ricky, like Ali said. I'm on staff here at Brookside. And guys, I am super excited about this sermon series, Walk. Um, it's all about, so I'm like a super practical guy. I feel like every sermon I hear, I'm like, just, just tell me what to do. God, I want direct instructions. Give me something to do. Um, so when Steve came up with the idea for this sermon series and how it's supposed to be just boots on the ground. Um, here's how you do it. Here's how you walk in the spirit. Here's how you journey with God. Um, I was all ears. I was like, cool, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm excited. Um, and as I kept thinking about it, I kept thinking about what I wanted to talk about for my, my turn in the series. And I kept coming back to this one idea in particular. Um, Psalm 23. If you've been around Christian culture long enough, you've probably heard Psalm 23. It's one of those, those Bible verses that's like on bumper stickers, and um, there's probably like a really cool Christian person in here with it like tattooed on their forearm or like a rib tattoo or something, Psalm 23, right? It's just one of those. I think, I was thinking about it, I was like, Saving Private Ryan, does the sniper guy say Psalm 23 when he's like, I don't know, I love that movie, I don't know why I just brought it up. Um, but if I'm being honest, it really used to tick me off, this, this psalm. Um, you ever one of those? Ever have one of those things where it's like something about God, something about the Bible, something about Christianity that just bothered you? Um, it's okay if you did. That's what I love about Brookside, is I can be 
up here on the stage and say things like, the Bible used to tick me off. Um, I love that God is big enough, he's tough enough, he's gentle and gracious enough to handle it when we're ticked off at him. He, he can handle it, he's a champ. Um, and if you're new here, I just want to say that we're so thankful and happy that you're here. Um, this is a place for wherever you are. It's a place for angry people, place for ticked out people, place for happy people. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, we're thankful that you're here. Um, so thank you for being here. Anyway, it was, it was really the first line that ticked me off. I kind of like the idea of, of green pastures and like I love the beach. I love the idea of lounging beside still water. So really, that first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Thou shalt not want. I was like, what does that mean? Like, was this guy who wrote this actually living this life? Because there's, there's a lot of want in my life. Like, I, I, I read that, and I was like, bull baloney, God. That is a load of baloney, because life is hard. Life is real hard. I love my job here at Brookside. But some days, you know, like, I get done with a really hard day's work, and my soul feels empty. I feel full of want. I love my kid, Mel. She's the bomb. She's literally the happiest baby I've ever met in my life. Um, I am blessed. But like every night from the 6 to 8 p.m. range, it's like the witching hour, um, she gets real crabby, and, uh, and she's full of want. I'm full of want. So we, we all know this, right? Like this is our daily reality. Even with the best of friends, the best of kids, the best of family and coworkers, we still may be left feeling wanting often, way too often. And that's, that's saying nothing about just all the other things we deal with. You know, self-esteem, body image, finances, all areas of, of high want, typically. Um, and yet, if we, if we believe God is good, and we believe that, that this is, these are his words, and yeah, I just I feel like if we believe, he wouldn't tell us to do something that isn't true or to do something that isn't doable. And that leaves us with being confronted with the fact that like, he's implying that this life of living without want is not a load of baloney, right? And that's really what I want to focus on today. Just the idea that Psalm 23 is meant to be for everyone. Everyone, like everyone in this room, everyone in the world today, it's attainable now. And I've gotten a little taste of it through the Holy Spirit's work of specifically slowing down. Um, and I want to try and help you get a little taste of it too. So I think it would be helpful to first talk about what want is. I keep saying this word. What is want? And I don't mean a dictionary definition, but what is our experience of it in the context of the Bible and in life. I think it can mean a lot of things, but in general, just this fear of lack, fear of, of not being provided for. As I was doing research on this, I came across a passage in the book of Job. And if you haven't read the book of Job, you should. It's awesome. Uh, it's about this guy named Job um, who was super, super blessed by God, had it all, he was super rich and had a big family, but he loses it very quickly early on in the book. Um, he loses his kids, he loses his wealth, he loses his, his health, uh, just all, everything goes wrong. And um, 
he has this moment in chapter three where it's all crashing down around, like the stuff is hitting the fan for Job. And he sort of looks around and he says, the thing I dreaded has come upon me. The thing I dreaded has come upon me. That thing that I didn't want to happen has finally happened to me. What, what do we dread? Like, what is that thing or those things in your life that just sort of make you like wince or like tighten up or hold your breath? What is it? Is it maybe um, something happening to a loved one? Or losing your job? Divorce? Death? For me personally, poor health is a big one, something I dread. I am a fitness fanatic. Uh, I love working out. I love fitness. Uh, I've probably, if you know me, I've probably talked your ear off about like nutrition or gut health or working out or something. This is my thing. I, I just like talking about it. I don't know why. Um, and a huge part of it is I just love to feel good. I love like, yeah, firing on all cylinders, feeling good, feeling 100%, ready to go in my day. I just love that feeling of like optimization. But I know another part of it is, is fear of disease. Fear of, of sickness. Really, if I'm being honest, this is like Ricky confessional up here. I have this fear of, of just this mental picture in my head of being so sick that I'm like bedridden and I can't do all the fun things I want. And worse, uh, somebody else has to come in and change my diaper. Yeah, that is like a legit fear of mine. I don't know why. Maybe, yeah, just humility, something. I just don't want that to ever, I don't want to ever deal with that. Uh, well, last summer, um, I'd swear I'm not going there, but just last summer, I got, to, <laughs> I got to experience just a little bit of the want department with my health. Um, last year, I was really into weightlifting, still am, but, um, but specifically bulking up and bulking up as fast as possible. Uh, so lifting a lot of heavy objects and eating a lot of food and trying to put on a bunch of muscle quickly, um, trying to look like a gorilla, trying to look like, I don't know if you have a picture of me from last summer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that was, no, that's, that's me uh, face swapped with Arnold, um, in case you can't tell. Am I really bad photoshopping? It's like, duo skin tone. But that was the goal. Like in my mind, I was like, that's what I want to be. Um, but I'm naturally a very skinny, lanky guy. I like have a, a marathoner body naturally, just long and lanky. And I have a psycho metabolism, like just ramped way up there. So eating enough is a challenge for me. I know, first world problems, right? You're like, dude, get this guy off the stage. He's complaining about eating too much. I cannot relate. I hear you. Um, just, I, I, it is, though. It's a struggle for me um, to eat enough calories, especially trying to, to put on muscle. So I start buying these mass gainer shakes. Um, and if you don't know, a mass gainer shake um, is basically, it's just this big, I think mine were like this 12-pound bag of powder. And there's like protein powder in there, and there's sugar in there, and that's basically it. And it's really bad for you, but it's like 500 calories a scoop. So I start buying these shakes and drinking them, and that's on top, so I'm having two a day, and I'm eating protein bars and eating huge meals on top of it, just everything I can um, to bulk up, and eventually, my stomach broke up with me. Yeah, it was, it was a rough breakup, 
Um, no survivors. Last summer was the sickest I've ever been. Every afternoon, every evening, um, for weeks on end, I could not eat anything. Just felt like I was gonna, like I was gonna barf. Uh, it was terrible. That was my chief. My chief want was like, God, will you please just bless me and and help me eat this food without feeling disgusting. That was like the top of my wants list. Just eating without feeling gross. So how does Psalm 23 have anything at all to say about that? Um, well, one benefit of it, um, of all that sickness, one benefit was that my prayers before eating were radically transformed into holy moments. Each and every meal and snack was in an, a chance to encounter God. Um, I grew up going to a Christian daycare, Holy Trinity, uh, Holy Trinity Lutheran, anyone? Daycare, Toledo? No? That's all right. Cool. Um, well, at Holy Trinity, um, I had this little sing-songy prayer ingrained into my three-year-old brain. We, we, we like sang it, we said it every day before meals, and it was like, does anyone know this one? It's like, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food. Amen. Yeah? That was like my go-to prayer for, for a long time. Uh, that was my prayer life. And then all this stuff last summer happened, and I went from that, that's that little sing-song thing, to like, all right, God, I'm going to try and eat this food. It's literally the most healthy, just gentle on the digestive system food. Would you please bless it to my body? Would you please just make it settle well so that I feel good? Please heal me, Lord. Um, yeah, those were my prayers. And then when I actually started eating, every bite, you guys, every bite felt like a trust fall with God. It was awesome. I mean, it was terrible, but it was awesome as well. Um, it's been revolutionary for me. I went from inhaling 4,000 plus calories a day to just very slowly, carefully, mindfully eating, chewing my food, praying through it, and it was so much better. So much better. Uh, I got to savor every bite. I got to experience the, like, the deliciousness of just healthy, simple food, praying through it with God. Um, my health issues actually really forced me to not take something as simple as eating for granted. And then I read Psalm 23, verse 2. It says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. So, in this psalm, if, he, if God is the shepherd and we're the sheep, um, a sheep doesn't lay down in green pastures if he's hungry, right? Like sheep are eating. That's, they, they do that really well. They eat everything. So it's saying we're full, we're happy, our bellies feel good if we're laying down in the green pastures. We're satisfied. He leaves me beside still waters. That's implying that we're not thirsty. Our needs are met. These verses were gold for me. Uh, they still are. My diet, it's so much better now. Um, but if I'm being honest, I still fail sometimes. Yesterday, had pizza. Thursday, also had pizza. Um, I will pay for that later. Um, so, you know, I just, when I fail, um, I had ice cream last week too. Yeah, it's just not a great week for me. But um, when I fail, I come back to these verses, these promises of God. So, Boots on the ground, action point number one for us um, this week or this morning. 
as we try and walk in the Spirit, every meal is a chance to encounter God. And I totally get that that may be easy to forget for you. Because you, didn't, you haven't had food issues, you haven't had digestive issues. Um, but another awesome way to experience a little bit of it is to try fasting. Do you guys feel that shift in the room that just, everyone just sort of went like, nah, no, no, thank you. Like nobody wants to be told to not eat, right? I love food, I hear you, just, just hear me out a little bit. I'm just saying try skipping one meal. Um, and every time your stomach rumbles, just say hi to God. Every time you reach for a snack, think of, just think of that Bible verse that says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just try it. If it seems scary, try it for a meal, try it for a few hours, or try fasting from Facebook. Try fasting from coffee. Try fasting from, from Netflix. Try fasting from something that, that you just, it's your go-to thing that you can't live without. Um, and every time your phone goes to the little, your thumb goes to the, the, the Facebook app or something, just like, okay, I'm just going to take a minute, say hi to God, and then maybe I'll go to Facebook. You know, just try it. See what it does. Um, quick but important side note, I've heard that fasting is feasting on God, which sounds awesome. I've also heard that fasting without prayer is starvation. So I guarantee, guys, if you make it about God and not about how hardcore you are, how holy, like, oh, well, I gave up Facebook this week because I'm holy and fasting, so what did you give up? Like, make it about God and see what happens. I guarantee you will experience a, li a little bit of the not wanting life if you do that. Again, this series, all about real stuff you can do today to experience walking in the Spirit. Um, so yeah, try fasting. What else do we dread? What are the other things? Another huge personal dread of mine, and I think uh, this is true of a lot of people, a lot of men in particular, the fear of failure. Fear of, fa fear of failure in, in relationships, uh, disappointing friends and family, fear of failure in our jobs. This is huge for me. Uh, fear of failure in my job at Brookside. Um, yeah, I'm on staff here, and during the week, I do a lot of admin stuff. I do a lot of pastoral intern stuff. Obviously, I get to preach um, sometimes. But one of my main roles for Brookside is Sunday morning production. So getting here early Sunday morning, supervising setup, making sure all the stuff that just goes into like physically making church happen on a Sunday, making sure that happens. Also... Really fun fact about me, I am naturally a perfectionist and a control freak. So you combine those two things. You combine like lots of stuff, stuff happening Sunday morning and it's all for God and there's a 10 o'clock deadline and then you get like a control freak perfectionist in there and then you just like start making a few things go wrong, like the computer wasn't working earlier. Um, so you just get me sprinting around Sunday morning, trying to put out fires, freaking out, just, it's not pretty. Um, you should just come at like 8.30 one Sunday and just watch uh, me. Um, so after a lot of wasted energy and sprinting around, uh, best case scenario, church ends and everyone leaves and my soul just feels crumpled up, 
and like dehydrated and just useless. And I'm useless for the rest of the day. When I first started this job, this was every single Sunday for me. My family, my poor wife started dreading it because uh, I would just come home and be a zombie all Sunday afternoon. I'd be useless. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you have days like this, days when your, your job just kicks your butt, or, or you're a stay-at-home mom and your kids kick your butt, or you're a student and your classes kick your butt, right? Like we've all had days like this. But then I felt God start nudging me to, to start slowing down. And I thought some more about Psalm 23. Um, in verse 5, verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So who are my enemies on a Sunday morning? I was thinking about it. It's like, well, Satan, yes. Satan is a big enemy of church on Sunday morning. But also, like, this projector right there, that little white projector guy, I feel like he breaks every Sunday morning at 9.30. Um, Today, he did not. I'm so proud of you. Good job. Um, But every other Sunday, we're like wrestling with this thing to get it working. Um, Other enemies, classrooms being locked up for Brookside kids. Uh, Trucks breaking down. We we truck in all of our stuff. Uh, People getting sick. My own control issues. All these things are enemies for me on a Sunday morning. And yet, God prepares a table before me in the midst of all of that. Like he's still saying, Ricky, it's possible for you to not experience a life of want in the middle of a Sunday morning. And I feel like as we talk about walking in the Spirit, this phrase, walking in the Spirit, it just seems so, so nebulous to me, so like, like, what even is that? Am I supposed to walk around like Gandhi all morning? What is, what is the Jesus, like the Catholic Jesus, is like this little hand thing, like, Good morning, hello, yes, please move that over there. Well, peace be unto you, set up team, yes. Like, that's what I picture when I, when I think walking in the Spirit. But I feel like, guys, I can really tell whether I've been walking in the Holy Spirit Sunday mornings. Um, and I'll unpack that, I'll, I'll explain what it looks like. But let me just start by saying that that spiritual discipline of slowing down has been huge for me. Um, yeah, this idea of slowing down, being present, waiting on God. Uh, that phrase, waiting on God, that's another Christian-y phrase that we like to throw around that used to really bother me. Um, but I've really come to understand it a lot more in the last couple months. For me, waiting on God and, and the discipline of slowing down has shown up in little things like driving the speed limit. Do we have any, any speeders here? Any? Yes, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Um, any people who are like, you know, what's the emptiest lane on the road? What's the shortest line at the grocery store? I just want most efficient, fastest, quickest way. Get me in, get me out. I don't want to talk to anyone. Don't want to see anything. Um, that was 100% me. Okay, I hear you. I'm the worst. Um, but then I start practicing slowing down and just, just getting in the lane I need to be in um, I'm like, okay, I need to make a right turn in two miles, says Google. I'm just going to get in the right lane and not care if a tractor pulls in front of me or like a little, old, you know, just slow person, whatever. I'm just going to stay in this line and, and not check my phone at red lights, not check my phone at railroad tracks, and just use that time to pray. Use that time to breathe 
or to like stare off into space, um, anything. And I feel like God started meeting me in those moments. He started restoring my soul. I am not saying I'm good at this at all. I'm saying the opposite. I'm really bad at it. Every Sunday morning is a struggle for me. Struggle and slowing down. Today I did pretty good, kind of, sort of. Last week I did good. The week before that I did bad. Um, The thing is, I have a little Fitbit here, handy dandy Fitbit. It it tells you uh, how many steps you take. And it's so crazy um, because when I... When I'm practicing this discipline of slowing down and I'm delegating and I'm not rushing around, church goes smoother and everything still gets done, usually early, and actually I take less steps according to my Fitbit. It's crazy. And when I fail, I take way more steps and I'm actually less efficient and it just shows me that all my sprinting around is just wasted energy. Wasted energy for my body, wasted energy for my soul, Turns out that God knows what he's talking about. Um, Yeah, interesting. I'm more effective when I slow down and invite him into every moment. Then I come back to Psalm 23. I read verses 5 and 6. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. With that cup overflowing line, I feel like I've experienced it in my volunteers. I can see it in the faces of the people I serve with Sunday morning. They can tell. Uh, I just, I'm less, less spastic, uh, less scatterbrained, more present, and I feel like I can lead them better. I can love them better when I'm not trying to control everything, when I'm just slowing down. So an action point for you this week. Another boots on the ground thing. Try out this discipline of slowing. We're going to drive home from church soon. Let's trust God and drive the speed limit home, speed limit home from church. See what happens. Um, let's wait on him instead of checking our phones every five seconds. Um, and out of the overflow of him just meeting us in those little moments, maybe we can have that overflow of soul in the harder moments at work or at home or at school. Another Quick side note on this. I totally understand if this may sound way too intense. You're like, I have never thought about prayer this much in my life. Who is this guy? Um, I hear you. I just also am trying to, trying to challenge you. Just saying, just try it. Tomorrow is Monday. Everybody hates Mondays. Just try slowing and see what it does for your Monday. The last thing I want to talk about Uh, the thing that I really dread is death. I want to take you through the last really deep valley that I was in. Um, Last fall, Jelly and I noticed that our daughter, Melodia, was starting to have these little spasms. Nothing too crazy, not very often, um, but at random moments, she would sort of like just get this like faraway look and like her eyes would roll back for a second and her head would sort of tilt to the side. Um, yeah, so, so we made an appointment with the family doctor and we had actually recorded one of the spasms on our phone. And we show the doctor, go in, routine, appointment, not routine, but like just like, hey, what do you think of this doc? And um, she sat us down and she said, 
I am going to refer you to a specialist today. Um, I think you should go home, pack up an overnight bag, and check in at the hospital. Not positive of what's happening, but I don't feel comfortable sending you home without finding more about this immediately. And um, we instantly start freaking out. Ran home, packed up, spent the next three days at St. B's in Toledo. With our little girl um, wrapped up in electrodes, being sedated for MRIs while I held her tiny hand and uh, getting an IV put into her eight-month-old vein. Um, I swear I feel like I cry every single time I preach, and I swear I don't plan it. I, uh, I'm not that good an actor. Um, I just, I like, you know, trying to be real with you guys. So, um, yeah, she's being tested for something called infantile spasms. And we frantically, you know, Google infantile spasms on our phone in the hospital room. We're just like doing all the research, trying to find out, trying to be, you know, going to Dr. Google or whatever. And um, we find out a friend of ours had a daughter who suffered from infantile spasms and that they can lead to developmental delays. Um, and that friend has to help her now 15-year-old daughter brush her teeth every day. And like everything in me wanted to freak out. Just like, God, we love you. Why is this happening? I'm making my life about you, making my job about you. What the heck? Like what? What's going on? And um, on the third day of our stay, I remember I was just pacing the parking garage. Um, I had to get out of a hospital room. I just like, just paced the parking garage. And I was praying and pacing. And I remember God meeting me there. And he just whispered like, I'm in charge of every single brainwave on that EEG scan. I'm in charge of every neuron in your daughter's brain. I will take care of her. And he didn't even say if she'd get better. Didn't promise divine healing, but I had this moment of thinking about Psalm 23 and how if the Lord is my shepherd, that means I'm just a sheep. Like I'm not in charge. I've surrendered my, my little kingdom, my little girl, to the great king. And I had this realization that even if I spend, you know, the next 40 or 50 years brushing my daughter's teeth, um, that Jesus will meet me there. And, uh, yeah, I kept, real, kept reading um, and realized that even if worst-case scenario, um, something else happens. Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And somehow, I don't know how, but somehow, in the midst of that little valley of the shadow of death, we, yeah, we were comforted by God. Um, his story has the happiest of endings because we left, we ended up leaving the hospital late that third night, like at midnight, um, got cleared, 
went home, um, and Mel has never had one of those spasms since. Um, it's amazing. Um, but even still, what I want you to hear is that God is good. And I don't want to, like, give the happily ever after ending and wrap everything up with, like, a nice bow on top. I'm just saying he's good and that he works all things for our good, for the good of those who love him. That's what Romans 8.28 says. God works in all things for the good of those who love him. He cares more about you than you care about yourself. I was able to find peace because I was realizing that in everything, my next bite of food, my next crazy Sunday morning, my daughter's life, God cares more. I can trust him. The action point for this one um, is just trust him. Trust the father. Trust your dad. So, wrapping up, what does it look like to say, I shall not want, and to really mean it in this life full of want, this life full of things that make us want? For the answer, I turn to the end of Psalm 23. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, if God is the good shepherd, it means he's in charge. He will make goodness and mercy follow us through every, every mountaintop awesome experience, every valley of the shadow of death, every Sunday or Monday morning, every meal. The end of Psalm 23 is a description of the eternal unhurried life that's available to literally every one of us right now. Every moment is a chance to dwell in God's house. And that's, that was the goal of today's sermon. I just hope I've given you just a few tools to help you dwell in his house. So would you just pray with me as the band comes up? God, thank you. Um, thank you for, for everything. Thank you that um, for the big stuff like Mel being healthy, uh, for the little stuff like the fact that I got to eat pizza last night. Um, you're amazing. You offer so many good blessings. Um, thank you that you're the good shepherd. Thank you that you want us. It's your will for us. We so often think that like God's will is this hard difficult thing that's going to require, like, yes, you, you say pick up your cross and carry it, but you also say that you make us lay down in green pastures, and that's awesome, Lord. I'm just so thankful that your heart for us is rest and, and resting in you and not sprinting around like a crazy person, um, not trying to control everything. I'm so thankful, God, that you are in charge and that you, you want what's good for us. You want us to be um, healthy and happy and, and um, you ask us to follow your will and it's so clear so often that your will is um, regardless of what happens here on earth your will for us is, is good um, good for our souls and that even in the bad stuff you, you make it all good but I'm just so thankful for who you are um, yeah would you please meet us again in worship. I'm so thankful for this band and the amazing music that they play. Um,
Please bless them and help them lead us in worship of you, God. Thank you. In your name, Jesus. Amen.